0: Let's, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, I do very much appreciate my brother Joe, not only as a colleague, but definitely as a minister of the Word of God. And I, I have to confess, I was sort of lost in the, uh, in the uh, grandeur of, of the presentation of, of uh, the Word of God in the last hour. And I was uh, very much um, uh, pricked and convicted in my own heart. And I'm very thankful to you, Joe. Um, But uh, one of the things he said was, um, you know, what what are you building? Where are you building? And what we've uh, elected to do for this session is to look at the principles of the Word of God as it relates to building marriages, relationships. And these uh, principles, I would submit to you, are applicable to uh, a multitude of situations but specifically, we're applying them to marriages. So as we go forward, I remind you that they're uh, quite um, uh, broad in their application. So what we're going to do is we're going to read Ephesians 5 and a portion of 1 Peter chapter 3. And when we do so, what we'll end up doing is um, slightly reviewing from yesterday. And then we have quite a bit of ground to talk about today because I want us to funnel our discussion into a little more practical bent. And I'd like to take the principles that we've been speaking of the last few days and now add even more practicality to it. So let's read these two passages and then we'll move forward. Ephesians chapter 5, I'll begin in verse 18. Remember the importance of verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled With the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Giving thanks always for all things to God. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. S- "...just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife, loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Let each of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So yesterday we spent a little bit of time trying to unpack this, mostly because I wanted to make sure we had the correct understanding of the concepts of loving authority and willing submission. And my summation point was simply this. Whatever activity and attitude you, possess, you hold in the position of willing of loving authority should be very consistent with the attitude and disposition of God the Father to God the Son, or from Christ, the head of man, to man himself. And I would suggest that it would be prudent to look at the manner in which the Lord Jesus showed His loving authority to mankind. He is a very gracious individual, very gracious. Do You remember that time when he was invited to Simon's house and he was snubbed? You know, he was the leading, notorious, uh, famous rabbi of his hour. Everybody knew the Lord Jesus. Everybody was coming to the Lord Jesus. That's what made them so mad. And Simon has them over for dinner and he doesn't even give them the minimal respect of of, of washing and, and greeting. And when it comes time, with after that, that, that rel- relatively dishonoring act, when it comes time for Simon to say something, he is critical of Jesus in his heart. And the Lord Jesus, he says this, Simon, I'd like to ask you something. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. I said, Simon, you knucklehead, come here. <laughs> Sorry. But that's what, I mean, I would have been sort of, Pithy right back. Here's the the Lord Jesus, so gracious in the setting of such mockery and disdain. That's, That's the Savior. And so when you talk about loving authority, whatever behavior and attitude matches that of him in his position or the Father in his love for his Son, then you are on good ground. And I would add, that whatever attitude and action is mimicking the Savior underneath the authority of His Heavenly Father, then that is good ground. Anything less than that is totally trampling, trampling, trampling graffitiing the picture of God, the fingerprints of God. I don't want to take that on to you. So I think it demands that we take a healthy look at our attitudes, which is what we'll be doing by the rest of our hour. Now, having said that, I want you to look at the summation statement that Paul gives us in the last verse of this paragraph. Nevertheless, let each of you, in particular, don't you like it? Nobody's off the hook. In particular, so love his own wife. Now we came up with a synonym, I think Kevin Cooper gave it to us, Selflessness. The, the one word that sort of embodies the whole concept of God's love, selflessness. You selflessly love your wife. Now, did you know there's a verse in First uh, John that goes like this Perfect love casts out what? All fear, right? Now, notice the verse now. Go back, keep that little quote we gave you just a second ago, and look at what it says to the wife. And let's see that the wife respects or fears her husband. That's a very interesting sort of summation statement Paul's making, but here's how it plays out. Husbands, you love your wives in such a manner so that there is no reason to fear. Right? Perfect love casts out all fear. Now, wives, you respect or fear your husband With the depth that would be there if there was a reason to fear, but without the fear, you see that he is really creating quite a quite an interesting contrast. Husbands love in such a way so that you remove all fear. Uh, Wives, even though there should be no fear, you give that level of respect. Now there are two things, two things that each. Excuse me. There's one thing that each individual needs emotionally in life, and the men. Men, one of the things you need is you need to have that sense of respect. I'll tell you, when I see a husband and a wife, a couple, and and the spouse, the wife, loses respect for her husband, that marriage is in a bad way. And I can tell you that the one thing the woman needs in her life, emotionally speaking, is to feel, to know, to experience unconditional, selfless love from that man. Those two meet by far away the spiritual dimension, but by far and away they will meet emotional needs beyond measure. I was thinking about this the other day. I wondered, well, what is it that, 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 that I could say or do or demonstrate to my wife about the love of God? Because that's really what we're talking about. This is the same love in which God so loved the world. So I called her up. I call her, you know, quite often during the day. She kind of doesn't like it, but I don't care. I called her once. I said, hey, it's been 20 minutes. (laughs) Yes. Are you busy? Absolutely. (laughs) You need to go, don't you? Yes. (laughs) You want me to hang up? Yes. (laughs) One day I called her. I wanted to wow her. I said, hello, my beloved, the one for whom I intend to die. (laughs) What'd you do with my husband? That dynamic of an atmosphere of the home where there is the dimension of, of unselfish love, like God loving the world, God loving me, the ungodly, creates a tremendous, almost, almost like a, 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 a rainstorm of soothing peace. So that although there should be the depth of respect that would be in a fearful situation, there is no fear. You talk about the beauty of the, of the manifold wisdom of God. This is it. Because I stand in His presence and I should fear Him. It is, a, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of a consuming God, is it not? I mean, we can't mistake that God does judge. God does deal. God has, has the, the justice side of the righteous part of the throne, which indeed is appropriate. But God would welcome Welcome us in as if the arms are as wide as the universe. Do you remember the children of Israel when they went to Mount Sinai? <laughs> there was thunder. There was lightning. There was voices. There was smoke. And the mountain was quaking. And they're going, ah, Moses, you go and talk to Jehovah. We'll stay back. We're going to die. Moses said, don't fear. It's like we're in a storm. Don't fear. Come to the Lord. Don't draw away. Draw near. Oh, thank you, but no thank you. You get to the New Testament. What is it? What's happening in the New Testament? The lepers running to the Savior, grabbing the Savior like the hand of God out out of the curtains of heaven, reaching down. Oh, I'm so willing. See the difference? That's what we're trying to duplicate, isn't it? That's exactly what we're trying to duplicate. Okay, now having said that, I'd like you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And, and what we're going to do at this point is we're going to, we're going to try to, to add color to this whole idea of love by using the word Understanding. Understanding. It is a key fundamental concept, uh, both uh, in the marital realm, but all relationships. Understanding. That knowledge that's gained by observation and experience, that that knowledge base that that then orders your activity and attitude. Now, I want you to read with me. We'll begin again in verse 1, but we're going to focus on verse 7. So let's read this paragraph, wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that, that they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. You see that? whole review of of demonstration of the living New Testament before your spouse, which speaks louder than the words. That's what he's saying. And when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, there it is, it shows up again. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging hair, wearing in gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather it be in the hidden person of the heart. And what kind of heart is that? Well, it's like like Sarah's in verse 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, who his daughters you are, as if you uh, are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And why did she not have any fear? Because in verse 5, she is trusting in God. And that was that dynamic where willing submission trusts in the ultimate authority to direct the loving authority over you. You have this faith in God, right? You trust him to direct that husband you trust him to direct your parents you trust him to direct in the workplace you trust him to direct the elders and what happens is when we we lower the perception to this horizontal dimension where it becomes you my opinion versus your opinion what happens in is we end up having a flesh and blood a f- flesh and blood battle rather than seeing this as a battle between principalities and powers right we we lose our spiritual focus Let me tell you, one of the greatest questions you can ask in the marital realm is this question. Are you ready? What would glorify the Lord Jesus the most? That goes back to my brother's comment about worship. One of the things as a couple you want to cultivate is this idea of mutual oneness worship to the living God. And the greatest question you could ask is this. What would or could glorify the Lord Jesus Christ the most, not a little bit, the most in our decision making, in our marriage, in our relationship? And whether we buy this or we do that, and whether we go here or we go there. When that question is asked, it neutralizes the horizontal conflict. Isn't that great? You're sitting there with yourself, I think we should get red. No, I think we should get blue. What's going to glorify the Lord the most? I don't know. Does he like red or blue? (laughs) In other words, it takes it off the earthly plane and elevates it to the spiritual plane. That's pretty important. Now, having said that, it goes like this. In verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Understanding. All right, and he says this, he says giving honor to the wife. You know what honor means? Honor means this, that I am ascribing value and worth to you. By the way, that's the same attitude that is written for us in Philippians chapter 2 when it says this. Now I'm trying to quote it and I can't quote it. Yes, thank you. I better read it because I'll slaughter it now. Don't you hate it? You quote things all of your life, and then now it comes to the moment, and you go, um, I forgot how to play the piano. It goes like this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each of you esteem others as better than yourself. That's, that, that's the concept of honor. Better than yourself means that I consider you to have more value than myself. Too many times I see husbands will treat their wives as if they're a second person, you know, another child. That's not it. You are to have, she is to have more value in your eyes. And it goes the other way, too, I might add. But but that increased ascribed worth upon the other person. You got something valuable, man? What's the most valuable thing you have? Is it your watch? Your iPhone? Is it your camera, which I protect very well? You know, I I, I know how we do. We get these toys, and we, we buy, like, the insulated sort of, backpack that if it were to fall the mere three feet off your shoulder it would never be damaged and we guard it like it's some sort of crown jewel right well do you ever have that attitude that same sort of protective nourishing cherishing attitude towards your spouse because that's what honor is that's where we have to go now, I want to look at this word understanding. Understanding has some very unique things to it. If you, if you look back in the book of Proverbs, it says in tr- chapter 24, By wisdom a house is built, and understanding it is established, and by knowledge its rooms are filled with ple- uh, precious and pleasant riches. And understanding is sort of the, the, the center portion of those, that trilogy of things that are mentioned there. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And what I find is that we spend most of our time in relationships trying to be understood rather than trying to understand. Does that make sense? In other words, we are trying to get my spouse to get me rather than me try to understand them. And we we introduce another form of self-centeredness into the relationship. That's a deadly way to go what i want you to understand or what i want you to think about is that when we uh, when we think uh, uh, when we analyze understanding each other i would suggest to you that we would want to understand each other in three ways and this comes from the book of hebrews which i would betray my opinion and that i think we're a tripartite uh, entity meaning we're body soul and spirit and so i would like to understand my spouse and i'm trying to be very practical here to so there's there's some some traction to our discussion, that I want to understand my spouse physically. I want to understand her limitations. I want to understand her physical strengths and her physical weaknesses. I tell you, I learned very early on that my wife, she loves sports. She'll cheer with you, but don't ask her to play. Don't ask her to play, right? I'll never forget very early on in our relationship, I'd say, come on, honey, you can play. You can hit the ball. And she's going, no, 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 no. And she smiles the whole time, so I didn't know she was really mad. You know, <laughs> That's a deadly thing. When they're smiling too long, you better think twice. And so here I am. I'm going, yeah. And I was doing it in a public setting. I was just embarrassing her, embarrassing her. And finally, uh, she, just to get me to shut up, she came out. She played one play and said, I think I'll go to the bathroom now. You see, I needed to understand her physical limitations and respect them and, and plan to preserve her dignity or honor in them. That's pretty important. Men and women, you both know that there are physical things that happen in a, a cyclical fashion to the lady's physiology. You need to respect that. You need to understand that. That's part of understanding, right? Right? Women, you may not know this, but men have a, a bit of a physiologic sort of cyclical thing. You might call it moodiness. All right? You're kind of moody today. I am not. You know, you, you, you might want to track that a little bit. Certain things that, that are, are hard for men. Certain things that uh, I would suggest have cyclical fashion. We understand each other physically. How about, how about the soul? Understand about each other's mind, will, and emotions. My wife is a great writer. She can articulate her thoughts in prose like I've never seen. I, I should have figured this out because she grew up reading Shakespeare. You know, I read Shakespeare, I'm, I'm done in like 10 words. Can, what is he saying? She can get it and explain it and then swoon with the meaning. I'm going, let's just go watch a movie. <laughs> I know, I betray my shallowness. All of our ER doctors are like that. We have ADD to the 20th power. <laughs> now, what, what's interesting, though, is she has trouble verbalizing her thoughts. I don't. You want to know what I'm thinking? I'll tell you. That's how it is. But my wife doesn't do it that way. You know what? That can create a little bit of a problem. If I come to my wife, I say, tell me what you're thinking. She'll go, ah, 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 I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Of course you know. We've been talking about it for 20 minutes. You should know. What is it? Who di- that doesn't go well. You see, I need to understand her, her thinking, her intellect, her, her processing. And she takes longer to process it. I don't. That's not always good. And so I have learned to give her some space, to introduce things early, let her have a chance to chew on it. When I've done that, I found that she has the better, brilliant ideas that I would have ever come up with. Right? I had to learn how to woo her thoughts out. You know, it says in the Proverbs that, you know, a man's heart's like a deep well, and you've got to know how to draw the water out. That means you got to put the right size bucket in the well. You got to lower it at the right speed. You got to get it in the right angle so that it'll get the the much water out in the bucket and then bring it up carefully, not to spill it. There is real finesse and understanding. My, I'll never forget. (laughs) I'll never forget. I was I was scrubbed in on pediatric open heart surgery. (laughs) There's like there's this little body this big, and there are. There are at least 10 hands in that little cavity. I'll never forget it. And the, and the surgeon who was, wrote the textbook on pediatric cardiac surgery, he says, Now, son, when I tell you I want you to take the clamp off the aorta, can you do that, son? He's talking to me. Yes, your holiness, you know, something like that, you know. And so I'm in there, and I am shaking. I'm like this. Did you ever happen to you, Joe? Oh, I'm shaking like a leaf. Never. Yeah. (laughs) You went into hemock, man. I know what you're saying. All right, so here's, I'm shaking like this. And he goes, son, put the clamp down. Then he looks at me through his little, like, magnifying, surgery is finesse. Now pick the clamp up. (laughs) just like that. All right. When you're trying to pull your wife out and and your your spouse and and, and get the, it's it's finesse. It's not a rambunctious thing. It's not a it's not a demanding thing. It's it's a self-sacrificing thing. Understand how that person thinks intellectually, is in my example, uh, in in their mind, will, in their heart. Some of us we're just born stubborn. And it takes a little bit longer to come to the place of surrender. And emotionally. Some of us, we cry easy. I don't. I don't. But when I do cry, I can't stop. My wife, she cries easy. One day, we're in the closet. We have our best conversations in the closet. In fact, our children used to joke with us. You going in the closet again? You know. And she's crying. You know, Most of us men, we do not know what to do when they're sobbing, okay? And I'm standing there kind of, you know, what do I do? And she's sobbing, and she looks at me, and she says, you just married a woman that has to cry a lot, so put your arms around me and hold me. Oh, okay, I got it, I got it. Like I have to have a manual for this. you know. Understanding. How about spiritual understanding? You know, all of us have what I would call spiritual gifting. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says that. But I like to say spiritual gifting because I believe that each of us have been given perhaps proportions of spiritual gifts that then make up your gifting set. For example, Paul had at least the gift, uh, the foundational gift of apostle. He also spoke in tongues. He had healing. And there's three right there, right? And, he, you know, so... You know, he probably had several. So I would suggest that perhaps some of us have smatterings and maybe more predominant of one versus the other. You wouldn't die on that one, and you wouldn't, we wouldn't part fellowship on that. That's just my own personal prices theory. But my wife is predominantly mercy. Mercy, right? I actually am very grateful for her gift because I've learned a lot about the mercy of God through her living testimony. And what that means is, is that she will, be, she will be motivated to do things at the, uh, in the most unusual ways. And I'm going, what are you doing that for? You know, I'm logical, methodical. We're going to do it at the right time in the right way. It's 11 o'clock at night. She gets a text. Somebody is, is ill. And 11.05, she's in the kitchen. 11.05 at night. I'm going, honey. Honey, your humble monk is in here. What's going on? Well, Steve, I, I got this text in this in this dear sister, she's hurting, and I think if I can make this right now, I'll be able to take it to her in the morning. <laughs> what, what, about, what about me? Right? And I can be all Mr. selfish, you know, or I can just actually realize that she is expressing her spiritual gifting. And I can either help her express it, because you know what happens when you function and your spiritual gifting? You're fulfilled. That's one of the things God does. It gives you a blessing back. You have great joy because you're actually doing how, what God has gifted you to do. And I decided I better quit whining and complaining, and I got up and did the dishes. And I tried to do it Happily. You know how we can do dishes. Bang, 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 bang. Slamming the dishwasher door. Breaking a few glasses along the way. That passive-aggressive communication. No, 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 that's not it. Right? Understanding. Please, I, I beg of you to make a study of your spouse, of, of your loved one to be, your fiancé, whatever it is, because you will need to understand that person more than any other human being on the planet. That's what your goal is. Now, you're going to learn some things that you're going to go, oh, boy, that's kind of hard for me. And I'm going to ask you to love them through it. Let love cover a multitude of sins. And I'm going to ask you that when you yourself realize that, oh, I've been ugly, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to confess that one to another And humility between each partner. And you know what will happen to your relationship? It will become tighter in the cleaving department. You'll be more adhered to each other. Understanding is a key element to the survivability of your marriage and to its spirituality. Look at the end of this verse. Look at what it says in verse 7. That you are co-heirs, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Notice it says that. Prayer is a spiritual exercise, isn't it? And the text is written in such a way that it assumes that you are already praying as a couple. Prayer, therefore, has a real sense of, 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 of transparency one to another. It exposes the heart. I can't tell you how many times I said, let's pray, honey. And as she begins to pray, I learned a few things that I didn't know I didn't know. And vice versa. But notice how understanding is directly, we say, juxtaposed to the concept of spiritual exercise. And he's saying that if this understanding is lacking, if this honor is lacking so will your prayers be lacking. I bet both of you at some point in your lives, and if you're not married yet, you, will, you will, uh, will see the value of this, but you will both be concerned about your offspring. Both husband and wife will be concerned about the spiritual direction of your offspring. And you can sabotage your prayers for their spiritual well-being by a lack of understanding and honor within the marital realm. Do you see that? That that statement about prayer is directly following the statements about understanding and honor. So that means you can spend hours praying together, but if you do not cultivate this infrastructure fiber of understanding and love and respect and honor within within the marital frame, your prayers would have gone unanswered. Right? That your prayers not be hindered. How many times have we sat back and said, God, why aren't you listening? And the answer is not so much that God isn't listening. The answer is so much that your, your, your marital situation has sore, has, has sore failure. My beloved, I would beg you to consider that there are things that hinders prayer. And the scripture here is pointing one of them out. Okay, so having said that, let's move on to perhaps another area of practicality that I think would uh, help us today, and that would be, well, let, before I go on, let me just say something that has a slight tone of psychology to it. I apologize, but it's, tr- it's, a, it's a true realism. When we say understanding, what time is it? I don't have my watch today. Okay, I got a couple minutes. A couple minutes, good. Okay, right. <laughs> they didn't answer, I just said yes. You know, I talked about understanding mind, will, emotions, and uh, spiritually and physically. There's an element of the, of the person, of the soul that you've got to understand, and that's your, your spouse's personality, right? Your spouse's personality. And uh, um, as you can tell, I would probably be more public and more, um, the more people, the more energy. That's how I see it. My wife is, the more people, the more I would not like to hide, you see. That's my wife. She, the people are hard, right? She's good one-on-one, but boy, I tell you, crowds, she, it, it's, it's, it's harder for her. takes more out of her. I respect that. I understand that. And you have to understand that about your, your particular spouse. And there's all these schemes that, uh, that call you like an otter and a, I don't know, a dog, a golden retriever, or in my day it was like cleric and sanguine and all that. It doesn't matter the scheme, but it does help you understand a person. But one of the things I think is is kind of very important to understand is your spouse's love language. Right now, this is uh, who wrote this stuff. I think it was Chapman or somebody like that, somebody like that. But um, there's a certain way your spouse understands the words "I love you." Not just verbally. I mean by demonstration. I didn't know this in my early years of marriage, but my wife's best way to understand the language of love is for me to sit down on the couch and do nothing but sit on the couch, right? Me, I think, I, I understand love language by serving. So I'd come home from my shift at the hospital, and I could see that she had a hard day, and Little Katie was a bear, bear full, and she's wrestling, and no sleep the night before. And I just jump in, and I'll do the dishes, get them all done. And I, and I say, hey, honey, how's the day? got the dishes done. She goes, don't you think I can do them? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was doing the, why don't you just come and sit on the couch? But I did the dishes. Just come sit on the couch. And I'd come and I'd sit on the couch, you know, for like 30 seconds. And she would just kind of, and I'm going, I could do a couple more things around here. (laughs) You know, you see that? I had to learn that the one way she understands from Steve Price that I love Janet Price is that I will stop all of my busyness and just be with you and no one else. You know, that's why we made date night every week. We haven't actually had a date night in a few weeks because we've been busy, but when we're back to normal, we'll have date night. And I want you to know you cannot call me. Joe, no calls. Okay? And we will just and I'll just spend time. You know what? That means the world to her. The absolute world to her. I'll tell you, boy, she knows how to love me. We get into a situation and I'm preparing for something or trying to get some deadline met. She'll come along and say, hey, here, she she does so perfectly. You know, I'm not a coffee drinker because I'm a Christian. But anyway, uh, (laughs) oh, I'm sorry. Did I say something? Yeah, is it good? But I love hot chocolate, right? And so she'll bring it in. I'm in the office working away trying to get it done. She'll bring it. She'll just say, I got you some hot chocolate. I'm going, oh, I love you so much. And I'll, you know, serve that service thing means the world to me. She knows that about me. Understanding, understanding, understanding. Okay, I'm out of time. But when we pick up this discussion tomorrow, I'm going to talk about communication. I, I, I'm just gonna preface it by I, I remember watching a couple, and it was watching a ping pong match. And one spouse would quietly wait while well, the other spouse was ranting and raving quietly. One listening to a word. I saw over their head this little little box that was formulating what I was going to say in response. Didn't hear anything else. And as soon as that other person very quietly got into a rage and went after the other guy back and forth. It was going just like that. Finally I said Stop it They were both shocked that I even said that. (laughs) They weren't communicating at all. But understanding demands excellent communication. And there are some things and principles of God's word that we're going to go through. And then hopefully it's tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, we're going to spend some time looking at conflicts. Very practical things. Has anybody had any conflict in your lives with other people? Oh, good. This might be an important topic. (laughs) Thank you, Joseph. (laughs) Right? might be an important topic. How do you work that through? And how do we go to the aspect of being able to restore both spiritually, emotionally, and physically so that we can move on? Those are our three areas that we'll cover one today. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come at this hour and we're just asking for the wisdom that is held in the treasures of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That as we meditate on these things, the Spirit of God would bring them back to our hearts and teach us as the Apostle has said our anointing does. And he would teach us on that continuous 24-7 basis, that constant meditation, chewing over the Word of God. I pray, allow us to do that. Do that as we visit, as we talk, as we travel, as we hike, as we relax, so that we might become more like that beautiful son of yours, so that we might be changed from one glory to another. And that you, Father, would be worshipped by our transformation. In Jesus' name, amen.